Um, all right, so this week, uh, OU President David Boren announced that he would be uh, stepping down, and uh, it came as a big shock. Um, I, I think a lot of people had kind of figured that this was going to be coming um, pretty soon. Um, Debo's getting up there in age, and he's been president of the university for 23 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, it looks like he's going to end. I, I, I think if I, I saw the things correctly, he's going to, uh, end as the longest serving president of OU with 24 years. I think he turns over in January. Um, in June. In, in June, June, I think. In June. Yeah. After the, the end of the semester. Okay. Okay. Spring semester. Yeah. And so he, um, he, uh, he's going to be staying on until they can find a replacement, but, uh, we all know it's going to be, uh, Clark Stroud. So, um, <laughs> uh, so it's just kind of, uh, it's, it's kind of crazy. Uh, David Bourne has been one of the most influential, uh, Oklahoman politicians in the history of the state in all honesty. Um, he's honestly, I think, I think he's the second most after Carl Albert. Carl, um, yeah. Uh, only Oklahoman three seats away from the president. Yep. And also the longest serving chair of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. He was uh, also Debo. he was uh, uh David Bourne was also a member of uh Obama's um uh intelligent or uh White House Intelligence um advi- advisory council I think is what it was called. Yeah. Uh but yeah, even when he was working at OU, he was still getting uh, uh, uh top secret briefs from the president. Mhm. And he was also he got approached a few times to Never in like a serious way, but not in an unserious way either to run for president or mm-hmm. VP on oh, a yeah. couple of different tickets. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's just it's crazy. He's been an incredibly influential member of this community. And uh, for him to be stepping away, it's 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 between that and uh, old, old Bobbert Stoops backing down. It's it's going to be a, a different OU. Uh, it's kind of the end of an era here. And uh, now we enter the, the glorious future with uh, Lincoln Riley and the 4-0 Sooners and uh, someone else at the helm of uh, the uh, academic department. And I just, I really hope, you know, Debo was a big deal when we were both there since we both graduated, what, uh, 2016, May mm. 2016. I mean, he was, a, he was a really, I think it was a really important force for good in a lot of ways. I didn't always agree with him, but he really pushed for having a more international university. And yeah. that, that's awesome that he did that. Yeah. And I, I directly benefited from that. And I think, I think it's something we as Oklahomans should be all about. Yeah. I, uh, I, I can touch on a few things that I, I always want to applaud, uh, David Bourne for, um, number one is I felt like he always gave a really um, measured and real response to his community. Um, I was uh, working um, for the on-campus newspaper um, whenever there was a false shooting. We thought there had been a shooting uh, on campus, and it was a uh, truck backfiring. And David Bourne, basically, before uh, around that time, there had been a lot of talk about, uh, should we allow guns on college campuses? David Bourne just gets up and I mean, he doesn't even, he does it he, like the way he speaks, especially in that moment, because I've watched him give this speech. The, the, the way he speaks is just like, 
it is about well, basically what he just railed into being like, dude, no, we are not putting more guns on campuses. More guns on campuses is the bad thing. How are we going to know good guys from bad guys? Like, this is very, very, very simple. Like, we're not going to do that. And he made like a very nuanced point about like, because you could say like, oh, more guns equals more protection because the good guys are everybody and people can just stop things. But like, he was able to combat that nuanced point in a much better way than I am right now. But it was awesome to hear him speak. And then his, yeah, his commitment to um, the international community. There are so many international students. OU is an international hub. And on top of that, his commitment to the arts. Uh, you go on OU and it's just covered in art. Um, might have, you know, gotten a couple paintings that we've stolen by Nazis. But we have some really cool sculptures that were done by OU students. And I like those. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's, I mean, it's the end of, it's the end of an era, and I, I think we're both sad to see you go, Debo, but I'm looking forward to his political blog, where he lets loose. Oh, That'd man. Cool. Oh. If anyone knows about the lizards, it's David Boren. That's every time I shook his hand, that's what I thought about, is that if I could, I could just get, lean right up to him and go, tell me what Claxor's name is, and he would just be like, oh, ho, 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 and oh, I just know, I just know. I know. If anyone knows in Norman, Oklahoma, it's David Moore. Many months has come and gone since I wandered from my home In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Many a page of life has turned, many a lesson I have learned Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong Way down yonder in the Indian nation Ride my pony on the reservation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Now way down yonder in the Indian nation The cowboy's life is my occupation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born I'm Adam Burnett And I'm Carl Roberts And this is Red Star Over Oklahoma We are a small political news podcast Broadcasting about left Oklahoma and left politics in Oklahoma How you doing this week, Carl? I'm doing good. I'm a bit. Uh, I'm a bit stressed right now. We we bumped up recording by a bit because the first guess of what the, the German Parliament's going to look like is coming out at uh, 18 local time. Uh, we're gonna see what happens about that. But aside from that, I'm doing pretty good. Do you want to? Do you want to try and uh, uh, CNN news Hillary Clinton this and give us a uh, uh, projection of what you think's going to happen? And then we can hold you to it for next week. Honestly, that it, if you listen to my election guide, you'll know why I, I will not do that now. I want to be, want to be very. Uh, I, I don't want to curse myself. You know, I mean, I might be the cushiest kind of immigrant with the easiest kind of immigrant life at the moment, but that doesn't change the fact that I'm an immigrant. Um, I, I don't nope, want to throw your ass out to, <laughs> to some fucking Nazis in Parliament. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I trust everything will go well. I hope. Uh, well, everything's not going well on this side of the world. <laughs> well, it's kind of on your side of the world, too. It's kind of everywhere, actually. Uh, so this week we wanted to start with um, Trump's, you know, I, I really, I really kind of juggled. Do I want to talk about the NFL or the NBA first? And then I was like, do I want to talk about just the NCAA football? And I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll go to Iran and we'll discuss the Iran deal first. And then we can move on to more interesting things. <laughs> Well, but, and this is, I mean, this is a, the, the Iran deal is a really 
like it it's really important I think firstly because it's it's like the one good thing Obama did. Yeah. And I'm like comfortable saying is a good thing, like full stop. Um and, and like going against it is, is not not cool, Donnie T. Yeah. Well and I think so I I've listened to a lot of the guys who have discussed basically what Donald has had to say is that during his UN uh speech, which we're gonna get to <laughs> very very quickly he uh he referenced this as uh this deal as an embarrassment to you in the united states i don't i don't like i i just don't understand that on its face but you know we're gonna well it's just it's fucking ridiculous if you go back in 2015 and you look at any international expert that's talking about the iran deal they're basically like yeah i don't really understand how anybody's complaining because iran gave everything up and we basically didn't change anything about how we're gonna behave like essentially iran just said fuck it we want trade with countries again so yeah yeah we'll fucking do all the shit you want we'll do all the shit you want and so it's a, i i don't know what there is to throw out about it that's bad i'm i'm just not aware of anything to be said that is bad for america in this deal i um, mean you know iran has does have some major human rights abuses working forward and removing sanctions there are people who say that you know you're you're propping up a regime that is dangerous and providing a cleaner path to nuclear weapons but the whole thing for them is that the way this deal works is that iran can have nuclear power but the way they get to that nuclear power has to be monitored by outside officials so they're always going to be six to eight months from being able to on their own develop a nuclear weapon that's not this is I mean, they already have all the rocket technology and all the miniaturization technology. But this is also, it's important to note that um, Iran is a signatory of the nuclear non-proliferation, mm-hmm. right? So the uh, IAEA, International Atomic Energy, um, A, fucking forget what that last A is, association, sure, or that something. like takes care of this. They, they check people out, they make sure that People are following the rules, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Iran is a signatory of that. And they have never had any trouble with the IAEA in the mm. whole history. And so the Iran deal puts extra restrictions on Iranian like nuclear development. And this is normal shit that every country should have. This is like producing medicine, essentially, and then producing power. So mm. not threatening at all. And now they have the most strict requirements coming from the international com- community because they're more strict than the requirements that every other signatory of the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty has. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so I think, you know, it, they, they used to uh, call this the breakout time. Is, is the thing about all this is, is if we break the agreement or, like, try and renegotiate this agreement so that it's stricter against Iran, Iran's just going to pull out and say, go back to the sanctions. It's like, you can just throw the sanctions on us, we'll just build nukes, and then we can, you know negotiate with nuclear backed words it's a lot easier and and i don't think and like so i want to i want to read this before we get on i just want to read this one quote by uh hassan Rouhani, the president of iran and he said that we see today that the americans are seeking an excuse to break this agreement an american government that tramples on a legal agreement would be a waste of time that's a very normal iran statement they 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 say things like that all the time but it's just this is only beneficial to us. It's not beneficial to the Iranian, Iranian, Ar- Iranians. Ugh. Well, and, and the other thing is, 
we can do what we want about we already don't have meaningful like meaningfully good relations with iran on, on the international scale at all um and the other signatories uh the p5 plus one so the u.n security council and germany um are, are not gonna back us doing this and they've all come out and said at a minimum I think it's uh, Macron, France's president, the only one who's even said maybe we should renegotiate it all. But if we're going to do that, this deal is staying in force until we do that. And so, like, what we can do is we can try and pull out. But these other countries have had more meaningful ties with Iran for a long time now. Those ties have simply deepened because those countries also don't want the sanctions imposed, especially France. France and Iran have longstanding economic ties. and. Mm -hmm. I mean, Russia and China are never going to fucking say we want to redo this because it's good for Russia. Like, it's good for Russia and China, and Russia and China have an interest in keeping Iran in, on their side geopolitically and internationally. Yep. And so it's like all, all that would happen is we would be a rogue state in relation to this. And and one of the most annoying things to me about it is that a big driver of the of the fucking saber rattling about Iran's nuclear program is one of two countries on the planet that does not have like an open, you know, here's how we do nuclear weapons uh, policy. And that's Israel. The other country is North Korea that's like that. We've talked plenty about North Korea. Mm -hmm. But Israel is driving up this fucking saber rattling about it. And Israel is quite literally the only country other than North Korea that doesn't have international oversight of its nuclear weapons program, doesn't, you know, isn't expressly a member of like, hey, we have nuclear weapons, we try and do this. Uh, Pakistan and India, um, kind of uh, aren't in the nuclear non-proliferation treaty but are still like in the international community meaningfully about this and you know israel is actively not open about its nuclear program so anytime the u.s does this thing where we're like oh we want to defend israel and shit it's like well we're being massive hypocrites like, like we are like we don't have any there's no international understanding say or control over israel's nuclear policy and so the actual rogue nuclear state in the Middle East isn't Iran because they're not a nuclear power. It's Israel. Mm -hmm. And that's an active policy that the U.S. supports in the region. So when Iran says you all are trying to destabilize the region, they're right for all numbers of reasons. But most importantly, when it comes to this nuclear deal, they're expressly correct because we're supporting a government that won't do what Iran does and say, you know, we are a part of the international community. We're not going to develop nuclear weapons and we're going to let the international community confirm yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that especially with this kind of thing, you have to have a, an international response um, because that's the only way you can move forward because the U.S., you know, um, the, the countries that are right next to and around Iran and the ones that are their major export import trading partners have a lot more ability to lean on them. For those things and lean on them to it, I, it, honestly not just in the nuclear realm but i think even more influentially in the human rights realm um, yeah i think that um the international community has a a, a much better um vantage and ability to um lean on them to change those human rights things whereas all the u.s can do is from the other side of the atlantic slam sanctions that really don't hurt the rich they just hurt the poor in iran and so i think that's um you know a, a nuanced way to look at that um, i want to read a uh quote by uh secretary of state rex tillerson um, real fast. Um, so he said following the meeting, it was a good, good opportunity to meet, shake hands. The tone was very matter of fact. There was no yelling. We didn't throw shoes at one another. 
<laughs> making wonderful reference to when a, an Iranian reporter threw a shoe at uh, a, George W. Bush. A Rocky reporter. Was it a Rocky? But, um, that's yeah, my yeah, bad. Yeah. Um, but and I wanted to contrast this statement with it with with one we're going to read from uh, Mr. Tillerson's counterpart elsewhere in the world later. But he said that um, the thing he knows most about negotiations with big deals like this from his time at Exxon Mobil, the oil company, is that it always gets the darkest before you might have a breakthrough. And this is a guy who's just not even listening to himself talk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking he's using his mouth to communicate words but he doesn't know what they mean he's just saying whatever needs to come out of his mouth so that he can keep his job and it's working well i think it's funny because um he also says that iran is in technical compliance with the agreement and no one around the table took exception to that like mm -hmm. that's all we need to know about the agreement iran is doing its part like None of this agreement had anything to do with Hezbollah or right-wing groups. And so if Mr. Tillerson, in his infinite idiocy, uh, wants to say something stupid about how Iran is supporting terrorist groups and shit, it's like, well, yeah, that's a problem. Of course, the U.S. also does this, and specifically to try and overthrow Iran. Um, yeah, Kurds are but, voting in Iraq but, this week for uh, independence. Yeah, which is the kind of a destabilizing thing for Iran, too. And that's part of why the U.S. hasn't had a very strong opinion about it. Um, mm -hmm. But the thing is, it's like, they're doing their part. Like, that's, that's what, how deals work. It does not look good for, like, what kind of fucking country will want to make agreements with us whenever we do whatever the fuck we want, no matter what we say on our agreements, you know? Yeah. It's just bad. It, it's, it's bad for our standing in terms of, like, trustworthiness on a basic level. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that is super important with this, too, is because, you know... You talk about, you know, the, the losing confidence on an international stage because, you know, I think like we were talking about earlier, the um, international stage and nonviolent, um, you know, indirect power negotiations are really important on an international stage. And I think that when you, you know, look at all the faith that we lost uh, following Iraq with George W. Bush, where other countries just weren't willing to work with us. And I mean, you know, in all honesty, there's a lot of the UN and the EU that are backing away from just being like, look, we'll trade with you, but we're not going to negotiate anything. I mean, it, it seems like Britain and our relationship, I know that they're dealing with their own kind of far right wing um, Brexit things right now, but I think that even that relationship has been strained due to the leaks and the uh, leak of security information, um, the criticism by Donald Trump of uh, individuals within the British government during uh, for their response to terrorist attacks, and I think that it it really damages our ability to move forward on complex international relations initiatives that don't involve force. I mean, the U.S. can go deploy troops anywhere in the world. It's not hard. We have more military than we know what to do with, and we'd love to use it. But the way you really get things done and get things done in a lasting way and not, you know, turn things into the forever war that's Syria and the Middle East and then, you know, expanding um even really korea since you know they never signed a peace treaty um the way you really do that is by allowing foreign players to push on them 
And it's, I mean, it's important too, like international solidarity and being able to work together on an international scale is the hallmark of the, the post-war era. And we're also going to be talking about that when we, we talk about a speech at the UN, but like, that's important. And that's a good thing. That's part of why, I mean, the Cold War was bad and a ton of brown people died in the Cold War, but that that's part of what kept nuclear war from breaking out was saying we don't fucking like you but we need to be able to come to certain kinds of terms with people yeah. we don't like and and to want to do away with that is to want to do away with what resulted from you know 30 years of war on the european continent and and the greatest loss of human life ever yeah right like that's not something that anyone should throw away and it's very it's very scary that he is pushing in this Ron deal a vision of internet of the international community that's not in line with the the good things that came out of World War Two. Yeah, yeah, and <clears throat> I I think that that's you know it it is it is such a push and pull um, as we saw immediately you know following World War Two into the Cold War. I mean the whole reason the Cold War really existed. I mean that was almost. You know, individuals made decisions, and 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 you know those things could have been backed up. But I mean, that what that really was was the fact that two countries were both on the track to be superpowers, and they couldn't do anything but escalate towards each other. And it's just I I was thinking I was I was I saw that we were flying bombers towards North Korea, and it's just like it that is just the slow escalation that all of this is. That's exactly how the Red Scare started. It's just like we start flying planes, we start doing this, then a plane goes down, now we have this, now we have that. It's just that slow escalation and it almost feels inevitable with these military industrial complexes. Because they just mm-hmm. keep moving. They just, they're, they're so immense and powerful and when they have rules that they have to stick to and those rules get broken, it gives them the ability to act without appeasement. And I, I really think that that's one of the most dangerous lessons that we lo- that we you know learned in World War II was how dangerous appeasement can be. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. so yeah, so uh, you already mentioned it. We're moving on to uh, the just the general Trump speech at uh, the UN. Um, uh, you know, besides calling just going full Twitter troll in human human skin, uh, called uh, Kim Jong Un Rocket Man. Um, I love the little quips, but it's just you know, it's really great when you make up a fun name for a dictator who is executing his own people in the street. That seems you know, rational, <laughs> especially when when you're doing it to to uh, raise tensions with a nuclear power. Yeah, that that's also good. I lo- great with a room full of people who don't want you to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wonderful, good stuff. Not not another problem for our international standing because it's not like two of our closest allies would be directly affected by a nuclear war with North Korea, namely South Korea and Japan, like we talked about. Um, yeah. Well, and it's not and- like Russia and China, our major adversaries, wouldn't also be immediately and majorly affected by that too. Yeah, and it's not like the last time there was a war with U.S. troops on the Korean Peninsula, the U.S. and China got into a war with each other. Oh, uh, oh, wait, that did happen. That would be very bad today. Oh, yeah. oh, ooh, ooh. Um, but yeah, he he threatened to to totally destroy North Korea, 
And so I just love that, yeah, he's he's gone straight to insanity. Um, called Iran a corrupt dictatorship. Uh, and <clears throat> then um, he just went ahead and yelled about socialism to people who studied under people who studied under Marx and Engels. That was what I couldn't, whenever I saw that he had, like, literally that there was laughter following his critique of socialism, which really was just like, socialism in Venezuela has failed and it's destroyed the country. Well, and, it's so funny. He, he yeah. was like, you know, the problem with socialism in Venezuela is that it's been faithfully enacted. It's like any, any economist that doesn't work for, like, the fucking Ayn Rand, I am dumber than a piece of shit institute, um, will tell you that's just false. Like, that's expressly <laughs> false. Um, demonstrably untrue by how the economy functions. And then he says this shit. He goes up there. It's like, really, we have a president who says all the idiot shit of the far right in the U.S., but doesn't have the smarts that some of them have to make it appear appealing. Yeah. I I mean, he sounds like Dr. Evil if Dr. Evil had Minimi's hands. Like, that's what's actually going on. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. I... I, I what I kept thinking about whenever I saw that is that there are people in that room who have studied under people who studied under Marx. Like, yeah, like the 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 like I I like you know I you always have problems with especially the U.S. government because it it it, it is kind of wacky. I mean, you know, George W. Bush and some of the you know Reagan and and, and some of the other presidents have kind of been. You know, you can watch him speak and you're like, oh, I don't know. But like, at least, you know, Obama, even Clinton to a degree, they can at least go to these things and speak with a knowledge of what they're talking about. They can use the legal terms and the international terms correctly. And shit, they might say something in French or German or Spanish or something. But like Trump, like not only does he not know it, but like he uses like Fox News buzzwords to rooms full of people who like, are aware that that's propaganda. <laughs> yeah. And that was like, as I was watching this, I just kept going like, he has no idea who his audience is. It's like, you can give that speech if you're in a, you know, the, I don't know. Nichols Hills Rotary Club. Or like, that's... the DVD <laughs> section of a Walmart Supercenter in Mobile, Alabama. But <laughs> I, I just, you can't give that speech to <laughs> Angela Merkel. Yeah, it's it's and dumb. Macron and <laughs> just like, what are you it's even doing? Xi Jinping. Yeah, it's Justin just... Trudeau. Like, it's just wrong. Those <laughs> are like, I don't know. It's like people who have spent their whole lives trying to do this, and then reality star makes small hands just stomps onto the stage, and oh, socialism's the worst, don't you know? And the whatever team captain of Sweden is just like, oh, don't you know that we have the best medical care in all the world? <laughs> I assume they just have team captains as their uh, representatives uh, for the UN. It's official in Swedish. It's uh, pronounced Borgi Borgi Borg, uh, <laughs> title of their prime minister. Um, I, I thought it was funny, too, though, like, because watching it, he said some line about, like, sovereign nations, like, 90 times because I think the speechwriters have figured out that you have to keep the same phrases or he's gonna go off track and just say yeah. something like it's big it's great it's amazing and like just get lost in one of these weird subordinate clause holes he goes into that are 
would get him kicked out of like first grade English. Um, and he kept talking about sovereign nations. And he said, at one point in America, we do not seek to impose our way of life on anyone, but rather to let it shine as an example for everyone to watch, which is to me pretty ironic because it's coming from the president who decided to illegally bomb Syria. <laughs> Even though we had, you know, the whole time during the Syrian civil war, Obama was like, that's a line too far because that's not acceptable to do that. And the president before Obama invaded a country illegally because he was mad that his dad didn't topple the dictator, right? Like, it's fucking, there's nothing more insane than for an American to say that we don't try to force our way of life on anyone. If you go to fucking Chile, they'll be like, oh yeah, like maybe 50,000 people died from that time you all ousted our democratically elected guy in a military coup. Or if you go to Iran, they to this day say death to America, not because they fucking hate us without reason, but because we ousted, we ousted their democratically elected, uh, the first democratically elected leader of any country in the Middle East in 53 and put in a brutal dictatorship that killed like 100,000 people or some crazy shit to don't keep you know that it's BP not happy. Don't you know that it's not democratically elected if there is socialism? Those things, it's, socialism means authoritarian. Did you not? I've got to send you some pamphlets. I, you just got to send me some pamphlets. You got to send me some, I've never, ever once come across that in my life. No one has screamed that at me on the internet with death threats. I, that, I mean, come on. I, I, I don't even want to do my, my bit about being a conservative because I'm just not, and I just can't, can't do it anymore. But it's just like, it's this weird domino game theory that like happened in the past and, and that now you have to like justify it. And you can make really nuanced like international arguments and you can also just take some of the blame. I mean, like that's kind of how I look at it is, um, you know, uh, you know, in, in any aspect of trying to work with the American government, you have to kind of just go, well, there were some really shitty things that happened in the past and we're trying to move past it and trying to, you know, we are still human beings who are still running a government and we're still trying to move past it. But it's just, when you have someone who's just not willing, like not even understanding like how those things happened and what, like what the, like not just the face, but like the underlying, like, oh, this was to help BP like monitor oil consumption and to like help weaken Iran's bargaining power within OPEC and like do those kind of things. And like, it's really hard to like have someone who like doesn't understand that and then try and justify it. Cause they're just yeah. going to be like, Oh, 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 racism because he doesn't have anything else. Um, I, uh, we had mentioned, uh, Tillerson's statement. And so I'm going to, I'm going to read this, uh, Sergey Lavrov statement that I, uh, I really enjoyed. Uh, Sergey Lavrov, foreign minister for Russia, uh, told the AP that Trump's message was that the U S would not impose its way of life on others. He said, I think it's a very welcome statement, which we haven't heard from an American leader in a very long time. Which... <laughs> Like, Sergey Lavrov is doing, the, like, I'm not sure if Rex Tillerson is trying to be Sergey Lavrov or if Sergey Lavrov is trying to be Rex Tillerson or they're the same person with different makeup on. No, fucking Rex, no, fuck Rex Tillerson, but Sergey Lavrov is the coolest international politician. He is Andre 3000 ice cold on this motherfucker. Like, he is, he is so good. Because lies. anytime, anytime. Anytime he can score some dumbass rhetorical point, he does it crisply with perfect effectiveness, and he does it with the face that says, 
I know I am bullshit, but at least I know I'm like hypocrite American. And it's just beautiful. It's like such a good counterpoint to how Americans on the international stage are all like, oh, we love freedom and democracy. By the way, we're going to bomb Yemeni weddings because one of their cousins got killed in Syria five years ago and we think they're terrorists now. Yep. And he's like, no, we, we killed Chechen on purpose. It's okay. We honest. <laughs> And it's just, it's, it's kitchen, refreshing. Kitchen release oppressive, suppressive pamphlet on uh, the critical structure of Russian government. Become a uh, suppressive person. Must be uh, removed from society. <laughs> but yeah, but it's it, just... it, it, you're, you're exactly. It's just, I love, it's like, like my favorite place to get news from is Russia Today, and my favorite foreign minister to hear speak in English is Sergey Lavrov. Because one, the, our fake Russian is how he speaks English. I think he yeah, does true. a joke. Like I think I think he's like he like like you know puts a cigarette out and he's like, hey guys, all right, I gotta go do the press conference. I'll see y'all in a minute. Oh, very good, bad American Russian relation Democrat. It's just like it's so <laughs> great. He doesn't. He's playing a character. And he knows it, and everyone in the room knows it, and he's just still nodding like it's going well. But it's just so fake that you don't even have to pretend, and it's like they know that everyone knows it's fake, so they don't care to pretend that hard. Yeah, and everyone can be like, well, I mean, of course he's going to say this, that's his job, but we know that he, we know what's going on, instead of like when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State, or now with Tillerson, or when John Kerry was, and it's like, these people actually believe this horse shit. Like, these people don't understand anything about what American foreign policy actually means or they don't people or, around the world. Or they do know what they're doing, and they, like, think they can trick us. <laughs> you it's, know? It, yeah, it's one of the two. They're either, like, fucking method actors, and they're just in character, or, or they're just so stupid that they don't understand that American interventionism is normally a bad thing. Yeah, that like uh, we don't have the moral ground to stand on to criticize human rights abuses in other in other places. Yeah. but at in least, a lot of at least uh, with La- yeah, yeah, at least with Lavrov, you get j- j- just a great method actor. It's it's just wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready to move on to uh, Oklahoma news for the week? Yep. All right. Well, so this this week uh, we're gonna be covering the special session coming up. Um. Motherfucking uh, get ready, guys. Yeah. Special session. Yeah. Terrible. I'm so, sure. hey, I'm going to let you take it away and uh, tell us about what, what we've got coming up with this special session. Yes. So, uh, Mary Fallon called for it a few days ago, and she listed five things that it's supposed to cover, three specific things, namely the budget hole caused by the Supreme Court decision to overthrow the cigarette, air quotes, fee, uh, to clarify the tax exemption of the car sales tax because... Um, they're afraid right now that that tax is going to hit big rigs and big rigs are really fucking expensive and, mm-hmm. then, and big rig shipping is very important to the Oklahoma economy. So they want to put that exemption specifically for that and make that clear and to address pay raise for teachers because everyone fucking knows that like teachers are leaving Oklahoma in droves or trying to get elected. Yeah. Um, and they also, she also put in two general issues, which is the structural inability of the state to raise enough tax revenue and making government more efficient. Um, uh, new taxes require a three-fourths majority in both houses to get passed legally, constitutionally, and the session has to go for at least five days after it's been passed. So there's some other complicated shit that Capital Insider explained that is just beyond my head about this. Mm-hmm. Like, if, 
you can only you it takes at least two days to introduce a tax measure for voting for it to be constitutional and that's only if you do some constitutional finagling by breaking the session in the middle of the day and restarting the session and then rereading the bill um so the shortest this could happen would be if they did that on monday on tuesday they had the final reading where they can start voting they voted to pass tax stuff and then they held it open until for another business week until next tuesday where they didn't do anything um that is the shortest it could be it's not going to be like that by anyone's stretch of the imagination because like no one is going to be able to agree on any of this shit yeah and now in the uh in the house they have to get democratic votes to pass anything with the three-fourths majority or they have to send it to a vote of the people which will not happen immediately anyway so then we also are losing tax revenue yeah. um and so I, there's a great OK Policy article that they put out. Uh, we both, we've said this multiple times, OK Policy is the shit. You all should be reading OK Policy. Um, and they listed some options the government could use to fund stuff. Uh, and I'll just run through them. Uh, increase the cigarette tax, which is, you know, essentially replace the fee to cover that $215 million budget hole, mm -hmm. which will still come into power later than it was planned. So there's still going to be a bit of a budget hole, even if we just do that and don't do anything else. Uh, that's awesome. Great job, guys. Fucking great. Um, another one is end tax breaks for oil and gas, which, of course, we want and would probably be something Republicans would have to agree to to get those Democratic votes in the House um, to be able to pass any kind of tax law, which runs into some problems because there's a, a large number of Republicans in the Oklahoma House and Senate that think that if you tax people, it's the same as sending people to the gulag because they literally have never read a book. Um, Another plan. They just—it's not that they've never read a book. It's just they stopped reading books in that like were written after like 1675. Yeah, I think they read like like they read like the Cliff Notes of the Wealth Nation, and then don't understand that it's not the fucking 1600s anymore. Um, Adam another... Smith is all I know, and that's how I live. <laughs> or they've just read a bunch of Ayn Rand, and they don't know that that's rat poison for your brain. Um, Another option that OK Policy threw up uh, that I think we both like a lot is taxing high incomes, which has been floated around a bit. And that's for like people who make over $200,000 a year, right? Uh, or uh, rather 100000 for single individuals and 200000 for for people, uh, for how, like familial households. That's 3% of households in the state of Oklahoma. And those fucking people are doing fine. Oklahoma is super cheap to live in. Oh my God, you're going to have to pay a bit more taxes? Like, 6% of $200,000 is not going to be in your pocket anymore. That's, that's fucking $12,000. You still have $188,000. It's fucking okay. Right, you don't Carl, need that fucking money. Carl, $12,000 is about how much it's going to cost for me to put a movie theater in my three-story Edmund home. And if I don't have that money to put in that movie theater, um, well, it's just not fair that I shouldn't be able to watch movies on a 90-inch screen with surround sound in a leather chair that is made of electronics um, when, like, it's just not fair to use that money that I want to use to do things like, you know, 
fund de- the Department of Health and Human Services. Like, who gives a shit about, like, fucking <laughs> old people or, like, disabled children? I was like, they don't need that money. I need a new movie theater. Who is going to pay for all the Panera I eat because I haven't cooked in eight years? I don't understand what you want me to do with this information. I just, honestly, sorry. What I think we should do is instead of raising the the tax on high income, we should just uh, take Nichols Hills and nationalize it. And it should not, anyone who lives in Nichols Hills and makes like over $100,000 a year as an individual should have all their money taken from them and they should be put on food stamps and then the food stamp people should live there. And I should be like, hey, fuck you. This is, this is what you've robbed from people. Well, no, um, okay. So listen, um, I'm going to take also an alternative, alternative stance and I'm going to go with saying that if we do that, we should just immediately give those people their houses back because they've already proven that like they're hard workers. So if we take their money away, then they have already shown that they are like the like you know evolutionary capital evolutionary like betters than these poor people because they See, earned the their thing. money so now they'll just earn it all back you just but that's why we don't have to give them the house that's why we just take all their money away and say oh since you all clearly are so good you don't have to worry about it now you got to be poor and you can earn your money back and the poor people that couldn't do that We'll have your stuff instead. And it'll be really fun to watch them all die of starvation because almost, I'm sure most of them fucking got it through inheritance and still think they're smart, even though they just like pee in their own mouth. Like, fuck off to all of you people making that much money. Fuck off. You should pay more taxes and that's a good thing. Um, Well, but here's the thing is if we tax them, you're, you're incentivizing donation through taxing where if you don't tax them then they'll just donate their money of their own volition and free will and then that money can be written off double for tax donations so that they can keep more of weight hold on (laughs) see the thing i love about this donation argument is that if we're if it were actually true like one in five children in oklahoma wouldn't be going to bed hungry every day so this is on its face a lie anyone who says that is like not selling snake oil they're fucking snorting that shit and it's actually just like pure fucking barbiturates it should have killed them a long time ago, if, yeah, if I'm being honest. Somehow um, it didn't. Yeah. There, there are a few other things I want to talk about yeah. that they also say. Um, they want to end the capital gains exemption. Uh, I didn't know this was a thing until I read this article, actually, and it's actually fucking crazy. You pay literally no taxes on capital gains made from selling property in the state of Oklahoma or selling the stock of a company headquartered in Oklahoma. And that's fucking crazy. We should be taxing that. There is no reason to not tax that. We're apparently the only state that does this. We lose like more than $100 million in tax money a year. There's a shit ton of money. We just set the rate lower than any of the other states. We get all the benefits. You do the fucking Indian smoke shop thing, right? You look at the lowest one and you say, make it just a bit lower. And you get all the exact same benefits plus the fucking tax revenue for yep. Christ's sake. Yeah, because that's what I was about to say is that the the caveat I had on that is that the only thing you know there is an argument that that does drive business. It's like it's like Massachusetts um, allowing people to run shell companies and illegally yeah. embezzle money. It's like there's a lot of like companies there, so they have like yeah, like you said, they they just tick that on the very lowest scale. They're not zero, but they're the lowest out of everybody else. So that drives business but yeah it's just like you could do exactly that do the indian smoke shop thing you just make it the lowest and not zero make it 0.001 and that's still a bunch of fucking money 
And you have all the yeah. benefits. And you have all the exact same benefits. It's just, it's, it's, it's idiotic that that exists in the first place. Is um, it, aren't they all about letting the market decide? Isn't that how you let the market decide? Um, yeah. I don't know. After I heard one person, one re uh, Republican representative say that, well, I just wish we could have no taxes. And I was like, man, I fucking wish you had no taxes. So you'd starve to death, piece of shit. That's what the market should do with you. It just doesn't make um, any, it doesn't make, it's like, I said this, I mean, we were talking earlier, I, I said, you know, it's, it's just like this weird anarcho-capitalism, like, I don't get it, like, this stateless capitalism, is like, that's not, like, do, do they want it to be the, like, do they think it'll work if it's the wasteland? And I know they don't. I know that, the, like, the, the capitalism, like, they're not even really capitalists, they're oligarchs or some weird thing, because they just use capitalism as an excuse to make the state a thing that doesn't take their money away. But like, well, but that's the thing. It wouldn't function without the fucking government. Like, if if the threat of police violence didn't exist, and like fucking Walmart tried to stay open, yeah, right, yeah, it wouldn't fucking work. Yeah, like, they right. couldn't make profits if they had to pay for all this shit, for all the security that they need. There was a long form that I actually found out about from an early chapo about Walmart's security system, and it specifically referenced one in Tulsa, and they don't have security there. Because a Tulsa cop, because of the amount of crime that Walmart has his office in the building. So they're just getting subsidized by this shit. And, and that's how they make money. That's how all rich people make money, is they get subsidized by the government. They couldn't make money without it. And all these fucking idiots in the House of Representatives and the Senate and the governor's mansion just don't understand that fundamental fact about capitalism, that you can't have it without the government. It will not work. Because people will just be like, oh, no one's going to stop me from taking the food I need? Oh, guess I'm going to eat it now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it, 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 it goes to that point that I think both of us uh, have harped on and discussed before, but it goes to that point of, I love when people tell me about how socialism is just a, a system to oppress people. And I'm like, dude, do you not realize that, that like, like, I get that you, you hear the phrase free market and you're like, oh, it must be free, but you know, I can call it like the slave market and... Like, it doesn't change the, like, actual objective meaning of, like, what that market is and what it does. Yeah, what, what it entails. Yeah, because it's, like, it's, like, not only that, but, like, work and labor are still having to be completed. Like, like, you know, even in, like, the socialist utopia that we imagine, like, there's still cops, there's still dudes with batons who break up bar fights, and there's still dudes with I batons who, I mean, Yeah. I, I don't know if there's cops in my socialist view. I, I, I like the Leninist line that if you, and I, I, think, I think Marx was right about the, the Paris Commune, you know, if, if you arm the people and the people govern themselves, like, you don't have the kind of, like, what we, what, what we would have would be different from what cops are today, you know? Yeah, yeah, well, okay. Because so they're, not I don't, yeah, I don't... they're not enforcing the property norms. That's, yeah, that's well, yeah, today. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very much, yeah, like, I, I yeah, I, I am, I mean... We're about to get into this because of the next story, but I, I'm very much a person I'm, like you who believes that property crimes aren't crimes. Like, crimes, yeah, very crime. importantly, are, like, literally, I've, I've taken criminal law in a, in a law school, and, like, the what is a crime is what the legislature designates a crime. And so when you, like, talk about, like, people going to jail for, like, tax fraud and stuff, like, yeah, like, those things are bad, and that, like, the Goldman Sachs people, like, yeah, they should probably be going to jail for all the embezzling they did, like, because that actually did, like, manifest into violence enacted on people getting thrown out of homes and shit, but, like, at the same time, like, those kind of, like, but, like, the property crimes of, like, theft and stuff, like, those are, like, in my opinion, like, 
um, they are societal, like, they are symptoms of a disease in society that is poverty rather than being, like, the evil in and of itself. Yeah, and it's, I mean, Emma Goldman said in, like, the 1910s already, she was like, you know, if, if you don't have bread, ask them for a job. If they won't give you a job, just take, take the, the bread. bread. Yeah. You, you have a right to that as a person. You have a right to your base. Um, but I want to go back and just finish out uh, yeah. going over this article. Um, another thing they said was increase the fuel tax. I'm kind of iffy about that one, if I'm being honest. Mm. Um, I like that, but like that hurts poor people a lot. Um, and I don't like hurting poor people at all. And then they also said cap itemized deductions, which is also like, that's a good thing. Um, uh, because it should be like, you can donate so much, but not that much. And, and, you know, like you still have to pay your taxes because that you could donate to your fucking church, your fucking mega church, where it just goes to the guy's fucking pocket. Like that, uh, Phil Olstein in Houston, you could donate to his church and then he'll refuse to house people during her, during a hurricane. Right. Like, I don't, I don't fucking want to see that shit letting people get out of taxes um but the most important thing they say is right before the end of the article um and, and this is the thing that i think democrats should be saying and, and and should be pushing is like hey republicans you want to fucking cut taxes let's cut taxes and focusing on cutting the regressive taxes that exist in the state of oklahoma we have some of the highest sales tax rates in the fucking country right sales taxes only hurt poor people that is, who that, that is who gets hurt by sales taxes. Rich people are fine with sales taxes. It does not hurt them because it doesn't really affect their income. They're not eating that much more food than poor people in the, in the you know, big scope of things. And so we could say, you know, there could be a deal there to say, hey, let's cut taxes for the poor and raise them on the rich to keep funding the government. Let's yeah. do away with sales taxes on groceries, for example. You know, that would be a good thing. Everybody would benefit. Republicans can be happy, say, oh, look, we're cutting taxes. They could actually help people instead of just saying, let's take a fucking hot dookie on the, the people of the state of Oklahoma. You know, they could raise, maybe do that thing that Mary Fallon said and raise um, wages for teachers. Maybe that could help solve the structural uh, problem the state has. It's been fucking 10 years that we haven't been able to keep a good budget. Yeah. Like, this is insane. This is utterly insane. And there's a shit ton of good options for fixing this. And all of them involve taxing people who don't need that fucking money. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, the, the greatest <laughs> takeaway is that the tax code and the way we fund this state is not representative of the resources and the wealth of this state. And that... Not at all. And that is the problem, is when you're not being true to the resources that are available to your people, you're going to have a shortfall somewhere, and it's going to be on the backs of the poor. Um, so to move on to... A bit of a sadder story and a bit of a, you know, it just sucks to see uh, over and over and over again. Um, so on um, Tuesday night of last week, uh, Oklahoma City Police fatally shot a deaf and mute man. Um, they uh, they uh, were responding, it was two white officers responding to a uh, reported hit and run. Uh, ended up that the hit and run was committed by the gentleman's father. When they got to the house, uh, they approached with weapons drawn. One one gentleman had a firearm and one gentleman had a taser, which I don't understand why you're not on the same fucking page. Um, on yeah, that you should shit. both have tasers. <laughs> uh, but whatever. Um, they approach. He it was deaf and mute. 
they ordered, he had a, a pipe in one hand, um, and apparently his uh, neighbors who were interviewed afterwards said that uh, they live in a bad part of Oklahoma City, there's a lot of stray dogs, and he usually walks the neighborhood with a pipe just because he likes to walk. And like, I, I like to walk. I walk my dog, like, literally several times every day, and like, there were a bunch of stray dogs in my neighborhood, like, I would definitely, like, at least have a stick on me. Like, it's not an insane oh, thing. It's not like you're walking around, like, with a pipe, like you're a Russian terrorist or something. We, we have, like, a fucking term for it. Walking stick. It's a normal, regular thing. Like, like we have multiple walking stick, cane. cane. It's, like, 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 this is the thing. People, people have sticks without being violent on a regular daily basis. Yeah, and uh, and so they approached him and told him to drop the weapon and lay on the ground and uh, weapon the walking stick. Uh, and his neighbors were yelling, "Hey, he can't hear you. He can't speak either." Um, they said that normally what he does is communicate with hand motions. Apparently, he was trying to do that. Um, and it said some of his neighbors who witnesses said that he looked like he was getting frustrated, and so the cops shot him to death. Um, they have not released um, how many shots they actually fired, um, but uh, both officers fired at the same time, so Which they like, shot him and tased him. Like, why are you shooting the taser if you're going to use the gun? Or why are you shooting the gun if you have the taser? Yeah, um, and witnesses say that they heard between five and six gunshots. Um, uh, it is just... It, 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 it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty rough, um, uh, set of facts. Um, I'm going to read a, a statement by, uh, Lieutenant Matthew Lindsay, um, who was the, uh, um, I'm sorry, Captain Bo Matthews, uh, it's the police department's public information officer. Uh, he said, in those situations, very volatile situations, when you have a weapon out, you can get what they call tunnel vision, or you can really lock into just the person that has the weapon to be the threat against you. Like, it's just ridiculous when you approach a house, someone's standing on a porch, you have a gun drawn, and you get tunnel vision to the point that you shoot them for no reason. Like, it what? just, it just, like, that is indicative of someone who does not need to be in and let's be very clear this officer's already on paid administrative leave he's already he's he's sitting at his house eating bonbons making money getting paid on talk about the taxpayer dollar he's getting paid and to be fair to be entirely fair he is uh getting investigated for murder but i mean all of them do i i I, I, yeah yeah yeah, that's that's procedure yeah and and what i want to say about that is that betty shelby the police officer who shot Terrence Crutcher in Tulsa also got investigated for murder. She was found innocent, even though she shot a guy with his hands up in the back. Yeah, I, the only thing I can't... I, I don't disagree about that. Um, that. That was... But I think that goes to, you know, she was acquitted by a jury. Um, uh, there was a, uh, a, a, a volunteer reserve deputy in Tulsa who was convicted of second-degree manslaughter after shooting an uh, unarmed black man who was on the ground. Oh, and the, the victim in this case was Hispanic when he, yeah. he accidentally meant to use his taser instead of his gun. Uh, and, and just second-degree manslaughter um, is just second-degree homicide, which is called manslaughter. It's kind of weird that they say second-degree manslaughter because it sounds like there's first and second-degree manslaughter, but it's not. It's second-degree homicide which is called manslaughter. And all that means is that you did not intend for the murder. First degree is you have to intend premeditated murder. 
second degree is manslaughter because you did not have the specific intent to kill someone. Uh, although I don't understand, like I, just, I, I don't understand how you, if you pull a gun and you pull a trigger, which is distinctly different than a taser, how you don't intend to kill someone. If I pull a gun and I pull a trigger, I intended to kill the person that I'm. I don't even. What I fundamentally don't understand is is this defense, like like what you read from uh, uh, Matthew, where it's like, oh, you know, it's volatile, you know person might have a weapon you don't know what's going on if you can't handle that situation why do you have a gun why do you have why why are you allowed to kill people like fundamentally if you don't think someone can handle that situation then they shouldn't be able to kill people that that should be the end of discussion because we shouldn't be killing people like like we're both opposed to that and i'm gonna be straight up honest like cops maybe shouldn't have guns if they're if if like Mr. Matthews said they can't really handle the situation they're in because they get tunnel vision. They shouldn't be allowed to have guns then because they're killing people. And and I get it. Oh, that's bad. Maybe some cops will die. Well, that's like 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 let's be entirely honest here. Like cops are the people supposedly in our society that are supposed to protect us. And if they can't handle deadly force in a way that's appropriate, then they shouldn't have access to deadly force. You fucking look at any other industrialized country, industrialized nations police force or post-industrial nations police force. They don't have the problem that we have in America because they're trained to not do that. Like fucking Germany, I think the last time somebody got killed here, they don't kill people every year. Like they don't kill one person every year, the police here. Think about that for one second. In a country of 80 million people, that, that cops who do have guns, manage to not kill someone one person per year. Their average per year is less than one. Like, yeah. clearly, something has to change about how we train them or we have to take the guns away from them. Yeah. Like, there's no option yeah. other than that. Yeah, because I think, I think it's really also just frightening in a, a pretty big sense because um, like, there's so much of this that like it's not just handguns it's like these these people have tanks they have body armor they have fully automatic weapons they ha i mean it's just uh, they have I, access to drones sometimes for yeah and like i i it just is so to 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 I, I just I just don't understand the, the the equalization of force because with 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 Matthew's statement it it really seems like the police created that situation <clears throat> like the police went there and it was all they were already geared to do what they were gonna they were going to do they were going to kill someone it might as well have been a a, a you know a black bag hit squad because I mean they just they they got out of the car they had their weapons drawn and they didn't even look around. They got tunnel. Well, they you, got, I mean, if you take Matthew's statement exactly as he said it, they got out of the car, they drew the weapons, and all they did was stare at this guy who was mute and deaf. Like, how is that? How is that? Like, just grounds to be murdered. And that's it's not. It's fucking. I mean, this is like not a joke. Like the U.S. military, if it acted like this, we would be a pariah on par with North Korea because of the amount of breaking, like international war law, we would be doing. Yep. We would be, like, it's not a joke. People coming back from Iraq have come out and said, veterans, that, like, our rules of engagement 
are ridiculously stricter than what we let cops get away with. And this mm -hmm. isn't a fucking war zone, an asymmetric war zone with people dressing up in, in like fucking clothes to hide that they have bombs on them, that people can't respond the way that cops in America supposedly get away with. Yeah. Like, this is not acceptable. It's just not. And this kills people. Like, they had fucking tasers. What is the point? Why do they have these tasers if not for this situation? But, and that's even if we accept that they showed up and did the right thing when they showed up. But look at how they, look at how cops acted in Charlottesville with white supremacists with guns, right? White people did not get treated like that. Yeah. And there's a long history of white people not getting treated like that by police when they have fucking guns, when they have weapons and are acting threatening. And, and people of color get killed and murdered by our police because we refuse to say, no, cops are fucked up and need to change how they behave if they're going to have guns. Yeah. Because we as a society refuse to deal that. Every one of us is part and parcel of that murder if we don't, in that murder, if we don't talk up about it, if yeah. we don't complain. Yeah, and it, it's, I, I've said it before, I have a lot of police officer and Leo friends um, and Leo uh, counterparts. I've, I've worked with Leo, I've worked in Leo. Um, and, uh, I, 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 even them, I see them struggle with this too, because there are, I mean, like, you know, in, in, like in my mind, police always do serve a function. Um, you know, not, not in them for, like we were talking earlier, not enforcing property crimes as much like a hit and run. I don't understand why if someone hits, I mean, like if they hit a person, like I can understand like, you know, you know, going up, but if they hit a car, why are you coming up with guns drawn? Like that doesn't make any sense. It's a property crime. No one was injured. The only injury to Hugh, the only violence being used, I mean, because you can handle all that in a settlement. But um, I, I still think, you, you know, you need people to, <clears throat> to go break up fights and to go get kids out of shitty houses and to help people. I mean, you, you, the police do, I mean, the, the, the word, the, the verb to police is, is there and it, and it has a purpose. And, and those people, a lot of, you know, not... I don't want to say either not or a lot, but there are officers who really are good guys who are out there trying to make good decisions and apply the law the way they, sh as they see, they see it, but they're just given too much leeway. They just, you know, guys with high school well, educations don't need to be applying the law with the backing of deadly force. I mean, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I, there are good police officers. There are bad police officers, but in current American society, like, I'm 100% an ACAP person. When you're not wearing that uniform, you can be my friend, you can be my buddy, we can talk about it. And I, I, I think that's important to do with people and so on. But when you wear that uniform in America right now, that uniform can only stand for one thing. And that uniform comes out of a history of killing people of color for yeah. things that white people would never be threatened by. Yeah. And I mean, and that's, it, it, I mean, that's, that's been my experience with police officers wearing, you know, uniform yeah. that, that because I'm white, I don't, I don't get in trouble for shit that I would get in trouble for if I wasn't white. I, yeah. I know that on a visceral level. Oh yeah. Same, same here. Same here. I can think of multiple times I have watched people of color, friends of mine get in trouble with police while I was standing there doing the exact same thing. And I, you know, I think it, I think it is also not just, you know, I, 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 the worker that is the police officer, I think, um, 
can, can I think I think some of the the I, I hear some of the rhetoric coming out of the alt right and uh, white supremacists and these people. Uh, I was listening to a thing about uh, an organization called the Proud Boys, which is about male masculinity and these things. And I and I feel it as you know sort of reactionary to um, some of the identity and gender politics that we've been engaging in. But like the police, I understand that they probably do feel pretty frustrated by the history that follows them. But it just you can't. When you're a part of that system, when you're wearing that uniform, when you are operating that gun, you're not an individual anymore. You're a part of the system. And like, and, while I mean, that they're... doesn't absolve your guilt, mm -hmm. it does add to it, I think. You have to be cognizant of it. And when you're trying to do the right thing, it can be difficult with that. And it's also, yeah. like, I think the point is that, is that not, you know, so many times the far right, the alt right, you know, people, Blue Lives Matter people, they want to make it about how like, oh, individual cops are okay. And that's because they're stupid and they can't look at the fact that the problem isn't individual cops, right? Mm -hmm. Clearly so in American society, the problem is structural. It is systemic. It is with how we do policing. Individuals are put in these bad situations. There are plenty of cops that don't do this shit too. Yep. But the point is that when you when you make it about that, you don't you're not able to talk about structural solutions like saying no cops on the street get guns. They yep. only get tasers. That's a solution right there. It's not that hard to have a team of cops with guns ready to deal with a mass shooting or something at the police station downtown with a helicopter and cars ready to go at a moment's notice that yep. don't go on the street. That's how they police in other places. Yep. And what that does is keep people from getting killed because cops get tunnel vision and can't hear people yelling at them that the guy's deaf. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and I think that, that that's a really a really good point because for me it's just I, I, part of, part of that too is you know you hear the, the well if you take the guns away from the police then the the, the gang members will just run all over. I mean like one that doesn't really happen. Police don't engage in like Full scale, like you know, mini war shootouts with yeah. uh, gang bangers. Like, no, like that's not how any of that happens. And like, two, like the reason why there's so many guns on the streets, and the reason like we have this culture of gun use in America, isn't because of the like. It's not because of the criminals. It's because of the police. Every time the police get a new gun, the the criminals who want to be violent, they they go up to that level. And so you're just, it's that escalation of force. You're just encouraging it. But um, do you have anything else you want to say on that? Because otherwise it's probably time for us to move on to our conservative reading list. So um, I don't know if this point, if at this point we're, I'm just being lazy whenever I try to scare these articles up, but we're back with our friends, the old Oklahoman editorial board. Maybe actually, I think the real reason we keep coming back here is that the Tulsa World editorial board has like writers that are valuable on it that are like people that aren't. Um, but they had this one. We had two that uh, we thought about doing this week, but th this is the better one, I think. Um, yeah. And it's voting trends should worry Oklahoma GOP, which on its face, good title. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Democrats have been fucking slaying it in special elections. Um, you know, they won four out of the last five, apparently. Uh, that's a good thing. That's, I, I mean, I'd rather see Republicans in office than Democrats, and that is something that should worry the Oklahoma GOP because their job is winning seats, right? <clears throat> but once we get past that, like, top-level, like, factual 
basic suggestions of like, oh, what's the political party? What does it try to do? Is, of course, where the Oklahoma editorial board uh, begins to just eat a pile of diarrhea and call it good writing, right? Um, Because they start off explaining this. They're like, oh, Democrats won this seat. Oh, let's look at turnout numbers. It turns out Democrats won with like super low turnout, which is honestly not surprising. Turnout in Oklahoma is already not high and turnout in special elections is especially low, right? Um, and they, they use something that's a bit disingenuous to start in the third election, unsurprising, given that it's the Oklahoma editorial board, where they say, oh, look at the raw vote totals between when um, the Democrat who won the election in Norman ran in November and then when he won in the special election on Tuesday, right? Um, and so they said, oh, look, he lost by landslide with 7,201 uh, 7, votes. And then in the special election, he got 3,176 votes and won in a landslide. So he lost in a landslide with more than double the votes and then won in a landslide with less than half. It's like, okay, Oklahoma editorial board, have you ever looked at fucking just how people turn out in special yeah. elections? Because anyone who talks about politics in America should understand that that's not surprising. That's just what special elections are especially in a case when it's called relatively quickly. Uh, you know, like, it's, it's not surprising. It's not news that this is like this, unless you're going to write some long-form article about how people don't fucking turn out to vote in America. But they don't want to do that because people don't turn out means that Republicans tend to win, except in this case. Um, and, and, and this is the important part, um, because in this case, the, the thing is, <clears throat> that they're like, oh, people don't turn out? Oh, no, it's bad. Why are Democrats able to win? They never say that about Republicans, even though that's how Republicans tend to win across the board in all states in the entire country, right? Um, <clears throat> but they have a problem with it now because Democrats. So they have to find an excuse, right? Yeah. And this is where the article goes from bad social science to just utter insanity across the board. Um. And, and they ask the question, why are so many GOP supporting voters staying home? One obvious explanation is corruption. Correct. Yes, GOP <laughs> people in Oklahoma have clearly been giving the state of Oklahoma the shaft. They are terrible politicians. They make themselves rich. They make their friends rich. They do absolutely nothing for anybody that's valuable except for their friends at the oil company. They're pieces of shit. Fuck them. But that's not what they say. Um, they're just like, oh, it turns out that all of these people are robbing from the state of Oklahoma or like sex criminals, right? Surprise, surprise that the Family Values Party is like that. Yeah, and it's crazy. Then, intelligently, I will say, the Oklahoma board says, questions of competence also abound. This year, Republican lawmakers approved a multi-billion dollar budget in House Committee shortly before midnight without any lawmaker having time to read the bill and without contextual fiscal information to inform their vote. A tax measure passed by the legislature was soon struck down as unconstitutional. True. Yeah. Apparently, the people running our government are just not fundamentally aware of how the state's constitution works, how government works, how income works, you know, how, like, books for accounting work for the state of Oklahoma. Yeah, they're utterly incompetent. Totally agree with that. Um, but what they draw out of that is that the real problem is that they're not conservative enough. And, and they have this two-paragraph thing I want to read. Because it's just, the stupidity is impressive, right? Yeah. They say, 
Continuing budget shortfalls and Republican lawmakers' responses may have also dampened voter enthusiasm. Duh! Obviously. Obviously true. Um, some argue that if Republicans only raise taxes and increase government spending, voters will reward them. Perhaps, but a poll conducted this year by Cole Hargrave Snodgrass and Associates found that 65% of voters believe the primary response to the state shortfall should be to cut government spending. Just it's FYI, really, that's a uh, uh, Republican policy institute. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's like anytime you see somebody using a poll, especially in an editorial, and they have one poll, it's because it's a bullshit poll. It doesn't mean anything to have one poll that says something. They polled five people over 80 in Guyman and some guy in Nichols Hills <laughs> who spends a million dollars a month on fucking cocaine. That's literally the only people they polled. Not representative of the state of Oklahoma, surprising. Um, they continue. Republican lawmakers did the opposite, advancing no cost-saving measures of any note, but proposing more than $1 billion in tax increases. Is it unreasonable to think some conservative voters concluded there's little reason to elect a Republican over a Democrat because the policy outcomes will be similar? Yes. Insanely unreasonable, Oklahoma editorial board. Not reasonable at all. Literally not reasonable by anyone's stretch of the imagination. That's really good. <laughs> like, for every single person listening to this, ask yourself, is there a difference between Republicans and Democrats in the state of Oklahoma you can think of? <laughs> Who? And if you cannot find one, if you cannot find one, it is because you have never read about politics ever, literally ever, or you do not know anything about social issues. Like, I don't, if you want to elect a Republican, there's a fucking Republican in the, in the Oklahoma <clears throat> legislature who, like, his shtick is being a fascist about Muslims. That's literally what he does. Is he, like, on, like, Muslims are a part of our community day. He asked like a bunch of Muslim students who came to be like, we're Oklahoman and we're proud to be Oklahoman. So he came to the state legislature. He asked these like fucking high schoolers why they beat their wives. Like, like you want to vote Republican? Literally all of them think that if you get an abortion, you should probably get killed. Like the, these people are clearly distinct from Democrats before we start talking about budget issues. Like, yeah. Th these Republicans literally have never entertained attacks on oil production in the state of Oklahoma. Democrats have said that's the only way they will do the cigarette tax legally. Like, just if you just knew anything about politics in our great state, you would know that the Oklahoma editorial board is so fundamentally wrong that you actually make your ass dirtier if you use it to wipe the shit. <laughs> like, like, it's genuinely that dumb. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It, 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 is, it, is, it is very ridiculous. I think we uh, both get fairly frustrated by the, uh, the, the, the way that Republicans act in this state. It's, it's, it's gotten out of hand, but here and, we are. And the reporting. And the yeah. fucking reporting. Like, we, an important part of why we started the show is because we thought Oklahoma needs a real left-wing voice. And... Anytime you open the fucking Oklahoman and read their editorial board, you know why. Yep. Yeah, you really do. You really do. Well, hey, well, this has been a bit of a long episode this week, but that's all right. Everybody gets a little extra this week. We're, uh, we're, we are generous in our gifting. <laughs> uh, uh, so if you want to check us out, follow us over at Red Star Over Oklahoma on Twitter. Um, 
We've got a subreddit, our Red Star over Oklahoma. We put up articles on there. It's a nice little place. We're getting some talk over there. It's been pretty fun. Um, SoundCloud and iTunes are where you can listen to us at Red Star Over Oklahoma and uh, Red Star Over OK at gmail.com is our email. If you want to send us anything over email, you can also send us. Um, we still have those posters up on the subreddit. If you'd like to uh, hang a poster up, we can definitely you know get that get that sent to us, and we'll be sure to uh, you know shout you out for uh, hanging up one of the posters. Uh, and yeah, course, tweet us some photos, guys. Yeah, and then of course rate and review. Tell your friends about us. Rate and review us on iTunes. That's how we move up those charts, and we're 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 trying to climb, baby. We're trying to, and apparently you only need fucking five reviews for it to start showing up. So like seriously, there is enough of you to pull that off. Yep. It takes you five seconds. You just give us five stars and say, like, fuck Mary Fallon. Like, yeah. That, yeah. perfect. Or give us one star and just say, fuck Carl, because, <clears throat> you know, that's fair. <laughs> you, you can also do that. I, I, I don't recommend it. I know Adam does. I don't <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye.